Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Jim Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chad Simpson and Jim Good. Hey, guys. Hey, Jim. What's up, Jim? Guys, I think to cap off our Valentine's Month here on the podcast, we have a great guest. Um, I would describe her as the Christian female version of David Goggins, for those out there who know who David Goggins is. She is unbelievable. She's achieved so much in her life, um, but also she's been married for 46 years, which is probably the greatest achievement of her life. Um, and her name is Rebecca Tritipo. Rebecca Tritipo is currently the careers coach here at Liberty University, but she worked for FCA for several years. Um, and she, she was a perfusionist um, working in surgery with doctors. Um, and she was also a sports coach, a volleyball coach, track coach. Um, but she also worked with our tennis teams here at Liberty. She was our team chaplain for many years. And that's where we got to see Rebecca day to day and see how she really worked with our girls. But I just love this conversation, guys. What, what did you like about it? Great conversation. Uh, wow. Champion warrior stud. Unbelievable. Uh, listening to who she is. But man, did I really lock in when she was sharing the importance of a married couple getting involved in the local church and that sense of community and she says this not just to look for a church out of obligation and you know get involved don't just attend and I know in my life just some incredible memories being able to serve with my wife in the church so I locked in when she was sharing about that advice yeah, I loved I loved this episode as well. Just unique for her to uh, be talking about the the running and uh, you know, Gian, you remember me? Uh, I couldn't. I got last place in everything whenever we try to run distance. But um, I think just a matter of respect for for that discipline. Just she said, endurance cannot be learned without suffering. And I think just some of the lessons learned through time on the trail, out, out running, and uh, another key point I think was about just obsession versus commitment as a coach and i think if we're honest every christian coach has has crossed that line into obsession and and struggled and really wrestled with that so i think our coaches will relate uh, in that area yeah and i'm just gonna read the bio from the from her job website um real quick and it says there's not much rebecca Tripo hasn't done she's written books and she's written eight books and they're all on amazon if you guys want to check it out um, she's raced through the Amazon, and we talk a little bit about that on the podcast. She coached sports, and she stopped people's hearts on purpose. So that's just the greatest bio that we've had, I think, on this podcast. <laughs> um, and we don't want to tease anymore. We just want you to listen to it, and it's a great episode with Rebecca Tritipo. Rebecca Tritipo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been almost three years in the making. We, I always wanted to have you on. Just didn't know what the timing was going to be, but I think this is a good time to have you. But our first question is, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I love to think about where the word coach came from. And it means because imagine, you know, a coach like four wheels, old timey coach, and it was meant to move people of importance from one place to another. So that definition is still so apropos for coaching now, coaching in any aspect, 
So if we can be God's tool to move people of importance, all of our athletes, all of our students from one place to another, then we fulfilled our role. Yeah, uh, that's a great answer. I, I always remember Stagecoach and the great Western movie. Yes. Um, such a great movie. Um, but that's a great visual to have. Let's go back way into your young life, a young Rebecca. Give us oh, a no. little bit of, of her background and maybe what did you want to do when you grew up? Oh my goodness. Okay, so I grew up with three brothers. So I had to be sort of tough. So athletically, I was a multi-sport coach all through high school and in college. But because my mom was a nurse, my dad was a dentist. My dad actually said, never, ever be a dentist. So I never had aspirations for that. At first, I thought I was going to be a nurse. But then my thinking shifted a bit. I wanted to be a doctor, but it, yeah, but I got married sort of young, but I still ended up in medicine as a cardiovascular perfusionist. And that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, what was some of your, the faith walk as you're growing up and the influence that your family and your brothers that you mentioned before uh, had on you? Yeah, I was definitely privileged. Both my parents were believers we were in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, every time the doors opened up, we were there. And so that was a great heritage. My parents really lived their faith. And so we were able to see that. So um, I came to know the Lord quite young. And obviously, I think it's, it's pretty common for people to have mountaintop, valley, mountaintop, valley, and you go through different different, I guess, parts of your life where you're more in tune with what God is doing in your life. But certainly looking back all these years, um, I appreciate God's faithfulness and his sovereignty because my, my life has sort of taken a few, you know, real like 90 degree turns in the road on occasion. But when you understand and appreciate God's sovereignty, then you go, okay, this is just one big adventure. Let's keep going and see what happens. Yeah. You talked a bit, a little bit about the turns that your life has had. Uh, I want to read from the Liberty University website, the bio that they wrote for you. And it says, uh -huh. there's not much that Rebecca Tritipo hasn't done. She's written books. She raced through the Amazon. She coached sports uh -huh. and she stopped people's hearts on purpose. That's all true. Yes. That's so all true. let's let's break it down first i want to know how did you stop people's hearts and why did you stop people's hearts on purpose well in cardiac surgery it's really hard for a surgeon to operate on a heart that's full of blood and beating so most of the times you have to create it's called a cardiopulmonary bypass it, it's sort of like a a reroute around a city, you reroute the circulation around the heart and lungs. And so to make it easier for the surgeons, we stop the hearts by infusing this solution. It's real high potassium um, and we just stop it. And then when we're done, normally it starts again 
when we establish regular blood flow and wash out all that potassium and some other chemicals too. I bet I bet there's a Christian metaphor somewhere in there about the way that God works in our in our hearts. Um, oh, but I, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I, I'm sure there is a, a metaphor in there. Um, <laughs> then it says you coach some sports and you, you mentioned that you, you coached a little bit. What sports did you coach? Yeah. When was that? How long did you coach? Okay. Way long ago. Um, I was a volleyball coach because I had played in, in college. So when I first got out of college and I was teaching and coaching, that's what my sport was there. And then once I moved to um, Virginia and I don't know, somehow I was here in Lynchburg and Liberty Christian Academy needed a distance coach. And I ran like distances. So they figured maybe I could coach. So I coached there, I think for about six years, cross country and then the distance coach for indoor and outdoor um, track. Yeah. Before we go even deeper, what are some lessons that you learned as a young coach that you would like to have known before you started it that maybe you can share? Because our listen, our listening audience is, is pretty much young coaches. A lot We still got all ages, but a lot of them are young coaches sure. that still need some guidance. Um, I think when I was coaching, because I think back, I had just graduated from college, so I was probably only 22. And you understand that you have to have relationship in order to have impact. But I think it looks a little different as a 22 year old because one of the mistakes that very young coaches make in working particularly with student athletes who are not much younger than them, you know, um, the, the difference between being a buddy and a, and a friend as opposed to someone who's more mature, who can keep perspective and focus and so forth. But I think the thing that, you know, later on when I was coaching the distance kids, um, I really came to understand what that relationship looks like. But I also understood the opportunity to use activity to teach principle. It's almost unfair, I think, for, for, people in athletics, there are so many built-in life lessons. It's ridiculous. So whether you want to teach character skills in terms of perseverance or creativity, or you want to um, work on some first dimension kind of things, let's say speed and agility, but you do that in a very creative way. You come up with a game or an activity and then you can always tie it up. So you're not only hitting the first dimension kind of stuff, but you might be hitting second dimension, which would be motivational kind of kind of things. So the real active use of those kind of tools, it just went, my teams went from seven or eight to like 55 because they were drawn. I mean, it was hard work. There was a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but they loved it because this community was established where we were responsible to each other. We had fun while we were doing it. It's not illegal to smile, even when you're about ready to puke your guts out, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you just, creativity, I think, and not doing things 
the way your coach always did it, even if he was a terrific coach, you know, being a little bit more creative and thinking about ways that you can teach beyond the X's and O's. Yeah, that's that's a great tip. I, I struggled with that because I graduated at 22 and I became the coach for the women's team right away. But yeah. they still saw me as their teammate. You know, uh, just yeah. three months earlier, I was just playing matches alongside of them. And now I'm barking orders and they're like, hey, that's, you know. And so that, that was a big... It took a few, uh, it took a few years for them to cycle out so that the, the new girls only saw me as coach Lemmy instead of, Oh, that's just Gian who used to yes. play right next to me. Um, yeah. But, but that's a great tip. The last one on the bio was you ran through the Amazon, which I've heard that story. It is unreal. Um, but first of all, where does, where did the desire to just run come from to begin? Well, with? That's sort of interesting because I can remember I was in seventh or eighth grade and in history or civics class, we had to write a declaration of independence. Well, we had just the week before, I don't know if you're familiar with the presidential fitness awards. It was way, way, okay, way back. I don't even know if we still do them, but um, this was a big thing back in the sixties and seventies. And we had, there was a 600 yard run walk. And of course I ran it all, but I hated it because it was just so hard. So I had written a declaration of independence. Well, it turns out though, that I was actually really pretty fast. So um, here again, back in the early to mid seventies, there were not a lot of options for girls sports. In fact, track and field was not even added to the sports that my high school, which was a huge public high school offered until my senior year. So I went, um, I turned out, I only ran up to once around the track. That was it. It was hundreds, two twenties and four forties. And I thought that was distance running. Well, maybe um, 20 years later, actually, when I moved to Lynchburg for my job here with a, a clinical group, Someone said to me, I bet you can't run 50 miles. And it just irked me. And I go, I bet I can, you know? So um, that was 30 some years ago. And so I've been running the long stuff. I went from like a 440 to a 50 miler (laughs) with honestly, no races in between. No 5Ks, no 10Ks, no halves, no marathons, nothing. I still haven't run a marathon. (laughs) Um, but I run mostly trail races, 50 K 50 miles, hundred K hundred miles, and then some multi-day things like, like the Amazon. Yeah. That was seven days. What, what entices you to do those hard feats that most people can't even understand how one can do it. Yeah. There definitely has to be a mind shift. You know, some people are content to play golf all day. And I thought, well, they can be on the golf course all day. I can run all day. (laughs) And it's not like, don't, don't think that there's no walking or hiking involved. If I'm going up a mountain, I'm hiking. If I'm running down, then I'll run. But you just, you have to be sort of smart. But I think I've always been drawn to things that people think are really hard. And I find satisfaction that that's why I went into medicine the way I did. There are very few women that were perfusionists. Yeah. 
Um, and I was drawn to it. It was, it was a very, very narrow field. It still is. There's probably only 3,000, maybe a few more than that, uh, perfusionists in the United States, maybe 5,000 worldwide. So it's very narrow. Um, and to be honest, not now more and more people are getting into ultra running. But back in the day, there weren't a lot of people who did it. So yeah. that was, to me, that was reason enough. To do what it. what role does God play in that desire to continue to run far even through now the this stage in your life? Yeah, um, He's equipped me to be able to do that, and I think I've been able to learn a lot of lessons along the way. Um, endurance endurance cannot be learned without suffering. I mean, you see that we see that on a practical basis. But all throughout the New Testament, I mean, it's, you can't miss it. You've got to suffer in order to endure. And hope is tied in there too. Um, so I think it's, it's just something that if God equips you in one way, he's given me a platform. I think about that first, I think from Isaiah, you know, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring news, good news to people. Um, I have been able to interact with people that I would never have had the opportunity had I not met them along a trail somewhere yeah. and had yeah. a discussion. So I'm very, very thankful for that. Yeah. I remember when I was training for my half Ironman, um, you were working with our team and yeah. I believe you're the only one who did not call me crazy or be like, why are you doing this? Because again, I had never ran anything. I ran maybe a few 5Ks in Lynchburg, you know, and then my wife challenged me to run a half fireman. And then I was like, I'm going to do it just to prove my wife wrong, which was bad fuel. That was bad fuel. I learned. Um, but one of the lessons you taught me was running is basically a controlled fall forwards. And then you just catch yes. yourself with the next step. And I still, as I continue to run, haven't gotten to the ultra marathons yet, but as, as I continue to run, sometimes when I feel like it's, it's getting hard to run, all I tell myself is just fall forwards, fall forwards, fall forwards. Yeah. And that's yeah. just a great, great lesson, just practically, as well as, you know, just in life, just continue to just lean forwards and just go to the next step. Um, and, and you'll see what God, what God does. All right. But this episode is meant to be a marriage episode, a relationship episode, since it's airing okay. in February. Um, you've been married for 46 years. Is that correct? Yep. Coming up on 46. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Um, no, only old people are married that long. <laughs> <laughs> how did, how did I get to this? You don't, you, don't don't see, you don't see any 20 year olds get it being married for 46 years. It's weird <laughs> no. that way. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about the story. How did you guys meet? And then we'll get into maybe the nitty gritty. Sure. Yeah, this is sort of a wacky story, but I was a little baby freshman. Um, Gary, my husband, was a senior. And he was best friends with another guy who lived in my older brother's unit at college. This was out at Cedarville College. It's now Cedarville University in Ohio. Well, my brother would post pictures of me because my parents sent him the local newspaper, which they did a fantastic job with high school sports. 
So there were a lot of times where, you know, my picture was in there and write-ups and this and that. So he would put them up in his room. Gary came in before I got there. He knew I was coming. And according to him, I presume this is true. He thought to himself, I would like to meet her. Well, we did meet. Um, We went out for donuts, actually, (laughs) the Monday before Thanksgiving break, my freshman year. Again, he was a senior. And by the time we got back that next week, we had already decided we were going to get married. And it's like, holy schmoly, I didn't know this could happen. And so he asked my dad, I think maybe by Christmas or spring anyway, I went on a, with the, on tour with a singing group to Australia. And when I came back that summer, we were engaged and then married the next year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is, but, um, but we knew, we just decided, yeah, you want to get married? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there was just never a doubt. I didn't know that it could work like that. Yeah. And I don't is, think it always does. Yeah. What was it? What was it that made both of you just come to that realization in such a short time? I don't know. I mean, he was a soccer player, so he was an athlete. Yeah. Um, I think we thought a lot. We had the same kind of interests. I, I don't know. You know, if you could make a cartoon out of it, there would have been like sparks and fireworks yeah. and that kind of thing. I, it really sort of struck me as odd because I never had any intention of meeting someone and loving them enough to say, yeah, I'm going to get married. I had other plans, but yeah, yeah. God, then it was very providential. <laughs> what, what did your parents say? Oh, uh, I had a discussion <laughs> with my mom one time and she said she just cried and cried and cried. Yeah. Um, and then she talked to her mother, my grandma, and my grandma said, now, Margaret <laughs> you just relax. She said, she's going to get married, whether you think it's great or not. So you just be happy and you go with the flow. <laughs> and that's what they did. And they loved Gary. They just yeah. thought, you know, here I was, I go off my freshman year of college yeah. and yeah, I'm going to get married. They thought I would never finish school, you know, which obviously I did, <laughs> but you know, they had normal concerns, you yeah, know, I, I think go it, that's... from high school to all of a sudden <laughs> a grown up thing to do. Yeah. And even now, I mean, I work with college students every day and I'm thinking, shoot, if one of those would come in and say that they were going to get married, even the seniors, I'm going, oh, you're yeah. so young. I was married at 20. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little crazy. Um, so then. So tell us how, how have you guys been able to stay together for 46 years? You know, the coaching life is very hard, right? Yeah, and then moving is. across the country several times. Um, what, what were some of the, the rhythms and habits that you guys have developed over the years to stay together? Well, uh, the big thing is um, finding community. You know, both, both Gary and I grew up in very similar households where, as I said before, Every time the church doors opened, we were there. It was church, 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 church. Um, and so that became, well, it was expected when we were under our parents. But one of the things that we realized very quickly is that 
we needed to find a church home, not out of obligation, but because we needed that fellowship. That's where our very best friends were going to come from because of the unity that we have in Christ. Yeah. And I think um, one of the challenges of the last couple of years, so many people during COVID when churches shut down and they went to virtual services, that's, that's a great offering. But so many people now, I have friends now that have just completely neglected going to church because it's easier to watch it from your sofa and then go on your way. And you yeah. never develop a relationship with people. And I think that's sad. So, so particularly for young couples, you have to decide that you're going to plant yourself in a church and you're not just going to be attenders, but you're going to get involved. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Really good. What are some, besides, besides the seek of community, we have a lot of young listeners, like I said, some that are still looking for a spouse, <laughs> some that are currently engaged, some that are about to get married, some that maybe just got married. What are other tips that you would give them in, 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 in that stage of life right now? Well, you have to understand that there's this infinitesimally thin line between obsession and commitment. And I think coaches uh, feel this every day, particularly the higher level coaching that you are, you're traveling, you're recruiting, um, everything is sport, 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 sport. Because if your team doesn't perform so many times, coaches are judged on a win-loss record. And so you keep thinking to yourself and you convince yourself, if I don't do this, if I don't spend this more time away at the office or on the road or do it, then I'm going to lose my job. You know, I felt this way when I was in a medical profession that was very, very demanding. I mean, I think one, one week I put in 110 hours, something like that, because people keep you know, trying to die and you have to, yeah. what are you going to say? No, yeah, yeah. you know, but at the same time, and I'll be very honest at the same time that I was ultra running at my peak, because I had, I had gotten pretty good, you know, nationally yeah. wise. Yeah, no, you and are, you are this, you're still very good. Oh, well, I'm very slow now. <laughs> it's just changed. I, I hike a lot more than, than I used to, but I was, I was in this demanding profession. I was training my guts out. The only thing I could think about is I ate, slept, and whatever the other thing is, just constantly thinking about my training and what I could do. And I'll tell you what, my marriage suffered because I became so obsessed with results and performance. And I had a lot of frustrations along the way in the first five years. I had nine metatarsal fractures, a femoral neck fracture, tore off the medium um, malleolus, um, had surgery on both feet and an ankle. And that was in the first five years. And so, so you're always coming back like with a vengeance and training and trying to get back in shape. And it almost destroyed. I mean, obviously we're still married, but it, it was not good for our marriage. It wasn't good for my kids. And so if I could go back and redo it, I would keep thinking, okay, sport, coaching, athletics, anything you do in life, 
no matter what your job or, or uh, profession. Yes, you, there needs to be a certain level of commitment, but you cannot cross that line into obsession because everything will fall apart and relationships will be destroyed. So that's a huge, huge, you know, please, please be aware of, you know, how I cross the line into obsession, because if you have get back over the line or your life will be destroyed. Yeah. That's, that's such a great answer. That's such a great answer. I don't think we need to ask any more questions. I think that one was, was really good. I want to give you the opportunity to plug in your books. You've written yeah. recently. The latest one is on Proverbs, right? A study in Proverbs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. read that one and I read a daily devotional that you published a few years ago. Those are incredible. Okay. Where can people find out more about you and what you're doing and, and how to support sure. you? Well, just RebeccaTritipo.com is my current website and all the books are listed. I think almost all of them are, there's eight and all of them are on Amazon. Um, some of them are specifically for coaches and for athletes. There's one called Best Season Yet, 12 Weeks to Train. And there's a coach's edition as well as an athlete's edition. And it, it gives some ideas about um some creative things that you can do to buttress the principle or the character skill that you're trying to develop. And then creative coaching across three dimensions. I think there are 57 different activities. And what I do is, okay, this is an activity that is on first dimension, or this one is first, second, and third. And it, it tells you how you can do it, how you, most of them, you don't need hardly anything for it. But, and then how you can spin it to actually teach a principle. And then, yes, there are a couple. The Conversation for Coaches is a 15, very interactive walk through Proverbs. Um, and that would be good for any coaching group to do together. I had trialed it with actually women's volleyball and women's soccer and the, their coaching staffs. And the discussions were just phenomenal. Yeah. And um, then there's a, there's a couple other ones. The, the one that came out last year about the same time as conversations for coaches, it's called the everyday. It's called 366 real stories for real people. And so um, there's a lot of running stuff in there, but there's a lot of just real life heartache. You'll probably know more about me and my family than you'd ever wish to know. But um, there's a story for every day of the year. And of course it had to be leap year. So hence 366 <laughs> and not 365. Love that. Love that. Uh, Rebecca, how, how can we be praying for you? Uh, I think just for divine providential appointments as I meet with students and help guide them, think through their careers, think about um, what they need to be doing now to prepare and you know, just, I teach a lot of how important character is um, to every, to everything that we do. And I, I teach a lot in the classrooms a lot that, and I, and I just pray that students would not see that as a lecture, but actually take it to heart. And because good character, it's all comes from the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's where it comes from. Yeah. But even in the secular world, people realize that character is really, really important. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's pray. Dear okay. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to 
meet up with Rebecca again and and chat and just um, glorify you through our conversations, Lord. Thank you for her leadership over everyone at, at Liberty. Uh, thank you for her leadership within her own marriage, Lord, with Gary. Uh, thank you for almost 46 years of of trials, tribulations, but also great um, glory and great great successes as well, Lord. I pray that you help her as she meets with students on a regular basis, that, that you give her wisdom to be able to guide those students in the best path for their careers, their lives, and that she'll speak life into their lives, Lord. And thank you so much for this conversation again, and may all the glory be to you, Lord. Hear me pray. Amen. 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 What a great interview. What a great episode. Great job, G and uh, Rebecca. Thanks so much for taking the time to share, uh, man, her insight. I, I love how she even started the podcast, Coach. Just uh, be familiar with what the word coach comes from and the definition and how it all came from stagecoach and moving people of importance from one place to another. Wow, what a responsibility and privilege we have as coaches. And uh, I locked in and I wrote this down very simple, but it's the simple things that kind of speak to me. She says, it's not illegal to smile. So coach, as you're going through your days, remember, smile, you're allowed. I love it. I love it. Um, Jim, I think you had a good point too on just remembering what it means to be a coach, mm -hmm. to take somebody of importance from one place to the other. As that gets into the discussion of obsession versus commitment, you know, if it becomes all about me, my career, my money, um, you know, my wins, like th these things, that's when the obsession starts to come. And I, I had that place of ugliness and sin in my heart. And so just encouraging you, coach, find somebody to talk to about that. If you're struggling with that, if you're putting in too much time and, and you're addicted and uh, yeah, just struggling with that obsession of coaching, which is so easy to do because coaching is fun. You know, it's it's fun to, to see results. It's fun to have a relationship with the players. Um, but yeah, definitely something that we, we need to repent of uh, when it crosses that, that line. Um, but all in all, loved this episode, a lot of takeaways. Yeah. It's just, she's such a great, great Christ follower, such a great example for me where I've been able to just, you know, walk by, you know, next to her for years as she worked with our tennis program. Um, but I just, I would encourage everyone to just go back and look and listen to the books that she mentioned. The one on the coaching through the dimensions is really good. Lots of practical um, activities for, for each dimension. And, and how do you incorporate that into your program? But just so thankful Rebecca took the time to come. Um, I've been meaning to ask her to be on the podcast. And, uh, and I thought maybe this Valentine's edition would be a good one since she's been married for 46 years. Um, and that's just been, it's almost more, it's more than what Jim's been alive, which is a lot of years, you know? And so ah, just ah, thankful, thank you. Thank you. just thankful for, for the opportunity to talk with her and uh, coach just as we move on now to March. Um, we're going to try to come up with a different theme for the podcast as well. And um, remember, next week, we're going to come and together in a roundtable discussion. Um, and then we'll have another series of great episodes coming up in March. And we don't want you to miss it. And while you're still waiting for the next episode, remember, the mission field is right where you're at. Mm -hmm.